0: Hi there, it's me, Richard Taring. Welcome to Rich Terring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with this week's guest, John Robbins. It's a really good one. If you haven't heard of him, then you'll like him. And if you have, you'll be delighted, as I know a lot of people have been looking forward to this one. Um, Happy New Year. And uh, if you like these podcasts and want to contribute and help us make some more, then go and give a tiny amount of money, or a lot if you like, at gofastestripe.com slash badges. You can make a one-off donation for no badge. You can get a badge. For a tiny amount of money, or if you want to give us money every month, like a pound a month or more, if you like, then all that money will go to making stuff like a video version of. As it occurs to me, we're trying to build up enough money to make that, or any other podcast that we can put the money towards if we can't afford to do that. Um, and every month, you get um, ed- entered into a prize draw. There's also like a secret channel of extras, like the backstage interviews and all sorts of other little bits and pieces that I'll put up there. Um, But it's just coming up if you're listening to this as it's released to New Year and there's always a special prize New Year draw where I give away loads of stuff. Um, I haven't quite selected all the prizes yet but one of the prizes will be a Garmin smartwatch that I bought earlier in the year and then didn't like all that much so I've got an Apple watch instead which is all right as well but not that. It's not worth it unless you really are doing a lot of exercise and stuff. Uh, Anyway this Garmin smartwatch Worth two hundred pounds on the open market, brand new and worn by me and sweated into by me, could be yours. Plus some scripts and other bits and bits and pieces um, of rarities. So if you fancy winning, chances of winning those and the odds are quite good. aren't. It's better than the lottery. Um, go fasterstrike.com/slash/badges. You will also, of course, as I say, get that secret channel. You'll get a badge. Uh, and you get an e- email that uh, every now and again that other people don't get, giving you secret advice about future guests and such and like. Anyway, have a great 2016. It can't be worse than 2015, can it? Come on, 2016, do your worst. Uh, and uh, yes, I hope you enjoy this. Thank you for listening. Sorry, I took for a long time. Some of you will have skipped forward and have missed me saying bum. Sha. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. <laughs> He's like a caterpillar who's changed into a butterfly in front of your eyes. Please welcome Richard Herring! Thank you very much. Hello, hello. Welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Or I was down um, at Big Owl's on uh, Happy Days in the bath in the, 19f- in the 1950s there. I was in the toilet in there and a man came in wearing a leather jacket, and he was calling it Rahelastopas. So I don't know if that is... I don't know if that's an indication of anything. Uh, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm feeling quite good today. Uh, you know, it's difficult. I've been kind of ill through a lot of these, or just tired, because I've got a stupid fucking baby, yeah, uh, and... Uh, God, it's annoying. It was, it was fun to begin with, and then fucking hell, it just never ends. Uh, so... blood, uh, like, grow up. So I, was trying to feed her with a cup today. She's going all over us, stupid idiot. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I'm feeling quite good today. Uh, so uh, and uh, I live in Shepherd's Bush at the moment still, as uh, many of you know. the house is for sale if anyone wants to. Still for sale for no one. It's a beautiful place. I don't know because the Westfield is there at uh, Shepherd's Bush. I don't know if you were reading the papers this week, but a pregnant woman received a, gave a blow job to her husband in the Westfield, in a public area of the Westfield. She was pregnant and uh, her kids were also around and they were walking up to her. This, is, this happened in Shepherd's Bush. This is the classiest thing that's ever happened in Shepherd's Bush. The kids were around and they didn't stop doing the blowjob and then the woman, when she would finished the blowjob, she spat her husband's gametes into a tissue and threw them behind a pot plant. And that is, and on the day this news came out, I went to the Westfield in the hope of seeing... I hope seeing... Well, getting involved, you know, because I think if, like, the, if that starts happening, if a kid can walk up and they're still getting in, if just a man sort of sighed up and sat... I thought that might happen. There's a lot of more people at the Westfield than there usually would be on a Friday. That's all I'm saying. I was very disappointed not to say... But I think the Westfield, I'm not... I've got no evidence for this. I think they might have planted that story in an attempt to get more people to come to... In the run-up to Christmas... Because, you know, it's tempting to go down. Because you either, if you like to see a pregnant woman give her husband a blowjob, that's good for you. If you like the idea that it might happen to you. Or if you just like giving blowjobs to strangers, that is the place. It's the place to go. So come and buy my house in Shepherd's <laughs> <laughs> If you want to see that. Uh, so, uh, look, we're going to crack straight on. So uh, my first guest, uh, my only guest this week... Um, can't wait till next week's show. Uh, he's, he's probably best known for his instructional internet-only video for the Carling Beer home draft system. <laughs> Sadly, that is true. This re- <laughs> It is John Robbins, ladies and gentlemen. Here he comes, hopefully. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> John Robbins. Sit down. There's a microphone. He's speaking to that, like, and that's... Hello, everyone. That's how that works. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you. So you look at me so young. I'm looking at you, so no, young. No, you
0: look at him. You're so young. You're a very young, man.
1: I'm. I did a, uh, a run through for a not non-broadcasted thing. Yeah. And um, it was me and Simon Evans and two other comedians, and they referred to us as the old timers. <laughs> and I, I sort of accent. Well,
0: Simon leave. Evans is an old timer. You were born in. You know, I can. I was. Sitting, I was working on my O levels when you
1: were born in Bristol. Yeah, 1982.
0: Yeah probably maybe, yeah, just choosing which O-levels I was going to do. It just makes me sad the way that that time passes. Uh, so, <laughs> everyone would want to talk about, uh, would want to know about your instructional video for, is it for <laughs> was it for Carling? Home? Yeah. How, what happened in that? What was that? About? Can we
1: can we see that still online? No, it's, it's unavailable. Okay. Which shows that they were wrong to trust a sort of <laughs> a freelance producer who knew me from outside comedy. Right. Who put... wanted to put together a video of how to use. It's like a keg that you could put in a fridge. Yeah. And um,
0: was it that complicated that it needed an online video? Because that doesn't sound.
1: Well, they had three kegs for us to use. Yeah. And I got the first two wrong. Okay. (laughs) So that they they sprayed over a camera. (laughs) So that that immediately, it was one of those things when I was just sort of starting out. So it was more money than I would earn for a gig, but phenomenally low for what <laughs> you would expect. And so the damage of the camera was more than my fee. And then the third one got right. But I had wow. to drive to a gig, and I was worried I didn't want to drink, actually physically imbibe the carling. And so I kept having to sort of sip, and then, like the lady in Westfield, yeah. <laughs> just sort of spit it out and pop it into a pop plant. That, that could be... Like a version of... I've only just today seen the John Lewis Christmas advert. Yeah. But there could be a version of that for the Westfield, where it's CCTV of that happening... <laughs> ..of the couple in the shopping centre. And then it just ends with the same hashtag. <laughs> Remind someone they're loved. <laughs> by, well. by giving them a blowy in a shopping centre. Yeah. If you went into a shopping centre, you or me or one mm. a man... And around, um, did that yourself yeah. with kids around, you'd be arrested. and... What if you masturbated to, yeah. in the
0: Westfield and, and children were coming up and turn, yeah. touching your knee <laughs> and going, get, no, look out front? Yeah, you would probably be arrested for that. Yeah. And but they were arrested and they'd
1: been charged. So no, they, 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 but they were let off with. Oh, the, well, they? they got a suspended sentence. She said her hormones were all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> if I said that. <laughs> I just, come on, I'm just a mess. I mean, it's up and down. And well,
0: there are times, you know, when you're younger, your hormones are all over the place and you mm. need to have... A, but you'd probably go in the toilet there, 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 there. There's plenty of toilet facilities at the Westfield. I would suggest they could have gone into a disabled loo. And it's not... I, I'm not advocating that. But if, you, uh, if your hormones are all over the place, in a way, you are disabled, so... Well, why, they should have... And if, uh,
1: or if you just really want a job. <laughs> Or they should have actual booths, yeah, for specifically for that, in all places where there are more than ten shops. Yeah.
0: Well, now they've got coming up at the Westfield, they've got a Christmas grotto, uh, so you yeah. could put the you could put the kids in there. Well, and then and then you could go. back. and actually, I don't know why they've done this, but they have genuinely put a Shrek in the Christmas grotto. They, they have. I don't know if that's a homage to me, because it's not like shrek isn't a christmas thing right so it's like father Ch- if you go into a christmas grotto can i see father christmas i don't want really to see a shrek i mean i do but i mean kids <laughs> kids don't want to see or i hope father christmas is there as well as a shrek what if it was a shrek
1: dressed as father christmas
0: yeah i i fear that that is what it is and that to me is an abomination against <laughs> against both christianity and the law of shrek <laughs>
1: What what religion does Shrek most identify with?
0: <laughs> it's an ogre-based, you know, I don't know if the ogres believe in that the, they were, they're kind of fantastical creatures in themselves, aren't they? Mm. If you live in a fantastical world, it must be hard to believe in a god. There are already fairies and elves and stuff, in it and magical, there's a, definitely a leprechaun in there, because there's, uh, what's his name? Is it leprechaun? The guy in the in Trek Three. Well, it's, it's difficult, is it? Because it, there's a like a, there's that little ginger head guy who steals his life. It's a sort the of leprechaun. Come on! <laughs> is there no one? Rumplestilskin. That's who it is. Yeah, he's kind of a he's kind of a leprechaun, isn't he?
1: But ha- <laughs> you need to impose sort of self. Uh, you need to impose rules in fantasy worlds. Yeah. Because obviously, if you can have anything, then it's hard to have narrative. So, like with Harry Potter, which I'm a big fan of, there's often points where you just go, why, why didn't you just use a spell? <laughs> <laughs> and there's one spell that would have solved every problem in Harry Potter, which is like Axio, yeah. which is where you say Axio broomstick and your broomstick comes to you. So in theory, every single dilemma they have could be like Axio Dumbledore. Yeah. <laughs> or... You know, axio—the one thing that will help me now. <laughs> so it, you have to impose your own sort of code as to in a magical world as to yeah. what. So God, you might say, couldn't exist in a fantastical. world. Well, or maybe
0: d- all the gods exist in this world because I mean, the Shrek universe. I'm not sure the original Shrek uh, books are the case, but certainly the films. Oh, no, I'm not going to talk about this exclusively. <laughs> Um, but haven't they recently? But in the Shrek films, I mean, any any fairy I mean, like, like Rumpelstiltskin and the Gingerbread Man do mm. not exi- exist in the same universe.
1: Did they? Are there any sort the of the three little um, pigs?
0: They're not in the same universe. But in Shrek, they are. So presumably, Zeus is there. Uh, are there any
1: of the original sort of DVDs of Shrek from two thousand years ago <laughs> <laughs> that are sort of like the extant yeah. texts, like the Dead Sea Scrolls? You could have the, the I, sort of found the, in a cave.
0: The original Shrek film is quite old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, like, a sort of um, what do they call them? The, um, the apocryphal. Yeah,
0: the apocryphal testaments of, sort of Shrek. Of, sort well, of well apocryphal that's Shreks. the Shrek. Because Shrek himself, as I feel, has become the triggerhead of Shrek's. And he's actually his brother. He's just one of the Shreks. Yeah. And, you know, any Shrek. <laughs> a lot of the Shreks who aren't in Shrek feel Quite aggrieved hmm. that Shrek is, that, and, and similarly to Jesus, I imagine there were a lot, of, a lot of messiahs at the time. They must be, if they can see, look down, they must be pissed off if well, I was as good as Jesus well, well, and doing a, all that stuff. Why good, are they going on about him all the time? There's
1: a good book by Philip Pullman called um, The Good Man Jesus and the Scoundrel Christ, which sort of posits uh, an alternative gospel where Jesus has a brother, yes, and he takes all the credit <clears> for the stuff his brother does. There's also a really good story by. Borges, which is impossible to say that without sounding like an absolute cunt. You, did. you, you succeeded in It's by it? Borges actually, guys, but where it's um, where Judas is actually the person in the New Testament that makes the ultimate sacrifice and saves mankind. Yeah, because he, without him condemning himself to death, yeah. Jesus wouldn't have been sent to the, to the court and wouldn't have been killed. Exactly,
0: so, yeah, of course.
1: So that's good.
0: It was good. Should we, should we owe Judas a big, a lot of thanks, because Jesus was all right anyway, wasn't he? His dad was God. Yeah, he would have been he fine. Was, he was fine anyway, He Judas, would have, like, he'd
1: have gone on to work in the company or whatever. Was, they'd have
0: sorted it out. But I mean, in a lot of these stories in, in the Bible, they can't, God kind of needs the person. You know, Adam and Eve, God needs Eve to eat the apple. Otherwise it's just him looking at two naked people in a garden and that is a, that's back at the Westfield, really. So um, anyway, we should talk, let's talk about you a little bit and then we'll get back to Shrek for the, uh, <laughs> for the last 35 minutes and our theories about um, Shrek. You are a very good stand-up comedian. Young, st- I call you a young stand-up comedian. Thanks, man. That's all right. Uh, I'd kissed a girl by the time you were alive and so that means... I probably hadn't, actually. Uh,
1: so i There's a comedian now yeah. who I gave... Elliot, Elliot Steele, who I gave a lift back from a gig and I'd... I'd had Congress with a lady before he was born. Wow. Which is terrifying.
0: You must have had Congress very young, though, whereas I was quite... For for me, that pushes the ramp a lot further back. (laughs) I I saved myself with the collusion of all the women in the world who agreed... (laughs) Agree. You're a Bristol boy, yes. which is why I like you. So oh, you're you may be born in the same hospital as my nephew in Bristol.
1: I was born in Southmead Hospital. I don't remember what it was. I remember the in hospital. Right. Yeah. There. So it's the, probably the same. Probably was.
0: Uh, and uh, and you lived uh, with a lot of comedians. A so kind of a lot of comedians you have gone on to be. You had shared a flat in Bristol.
1: Yeah. Got. I lived with a lot of comedians who so I don't really know what they're up to now. Yeah. But <laughs> I think one of them does a blog or something. I lived with <laughs> Russell Howard. Oh yeah. Uh, John Richardson yeah. and Mark Olver.
0: Mark Olver from uh, the Deal or No Deal warm up, which
1: I've been sacked from twice. <laughs> <Have> you...
0: <laughs> Did they forget that they sacked you when they. When no, they... they got
1: very desperate and, <laughs> like, really, and uh, called me. Uh, what happened was they asked me to go back, and I always used to dread it because you have to watch three episodes of Deal or No Deal unedited (laughs) Uh, like three episodes of no deal or no deal on TV for 45 minutes is one thing but some of them would take two and a half hours of people basically thinking their life was going to change because they it it was horrible because you'd see people convince themselves they deserved money and happiness which everyone does but because it's random it sort of falls equally to people who really... I saw... Oh, the worst one was this guy whose life story was just harrowing. And he had all the big numbers, the big power five, uh, were in play. And then and they didn't show this in the show, but some one of the contestants dropped a box. It opened oh, yeah. and they saw the amount. So... They had to then swap all the boxes round, and the next five numbers were the big ones, and he ended up with like 10p. And you're like, why do this to anyone? (laughs) And so, but the first time I got sacked was for making a joke about Noel. (laughs) Slash being disinterested in the show. (laughs) I'm not. I, I'm convinced it was because I made a joke about Noel, but I think they might say it was because I used to roll my eyes every time they asked me to do any work. And the second time was because I was so hungover that I was sick in Noel's to- toilet, which is not a euphemism. And. Uh, he has his own toilet, which is fair enough because if he needs to go and come back and he's an an astonishing professional I've never seen anyone deal with a live TV like he does or not deal with them (laughs) 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 and um, I I was I mean anyone would have been sacked in that I was just being sick, it's the only time (laughs) I've ever been sick the morning after drinking was
0: Noel Edmonds in the toilet at the time doing a poo (laughs)
1: No, he was. He was. Is uh, it a
0: really tiny toilet? Is that why no, he it's a disabled toilet?
1: toilet? Is it? Yeah. Don't don't approve of that. Of.
0: Don't approve of Noel Edmonds having the disabled toilet.
1: Well, there were other disabled toilets. No disabled people had access to this toilet okay. anyway. That's an wrong. They wouldn't have been able to get in there.
0: Let's go and pick it, uh, deal or no deal, with lots of disabled people saying, like, we want Noel's tiny loo.
1: He he loves disabled people. No, no, I'm sure he does. In a, in an entirely, in an entirely good way it was it, there was one time it was remarkable there was someone um, in the audience because they have sort of these devoted fans, and one guy um, had uh, obviously learning difficulties quite severe, and made involuntary noises uh, throughout the record, which sort of was very difficult for them to deal with. Noel was fantastic, and he said. He's sort of made a point of showing the cameras, uh, introducing himself, saying hello. We've got a very special person in the audience, and there may be involuntary noises, but d- don't feel awkward. It was just wonderful yeah. and very. And the, the staff backstage were not using such kind language. <laughs> like there were producers going, someone's going to get fired for this, <laughs> right? Because they let, uh, well, they used language that's yeah. not not very not very PC, yeah. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> That,
0: I can understand why they don't want you back. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And, and I'm happy with that decision as well.
0: <laughs> it's a hard job though. Mark, Mark is fantastic as a warm-up. Guy oh, because He does phenomenal. a lot of, the, lot of those shows. He does uh, Pointless as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so w- what was the flat like? Was it, a, was it always funny in the flat with all these funny people? It Did you w- think of inviting Justin Lee Collins to be part of the flat? point? Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> Or was he deliberately ostracised? Well, this was pre his crisis. I met him once. I've never, ever met anyone like him. Just so um, accommodating and friendly. So I met... This is before any of these people involved were very famous, but I went for tapas with... Russell Howard, Justin E. Collins, and Alan Carr. <laughs> <laughs> and it was in Bristol. And I turned up, and I it was a, a, a sort of an open spot amateur comic. And I, I knew all these obviously, Alan Carr was a big deal to me, and Justin E. Collins. And I went in and sat down and Justin Lee Collins had never met me before, didn't know me from Adam, but immediately like, Oh, you're John, are you all right? John, have you got some of this tapas? Get some of that butter, John, you will love that butter. And some of that bread, I want to see you eat two bits of that bread with some of that butter, and we've got asparagus. It's white asparagus, but I still trust it. And, <laughs> and immediately just felt, made me feel welcome. And But there was a sort of... Um, I got... This is pre his issues he had, but I did get a sense from him that whenever no one was expecting him to be on form, he sort of would go back into a, a bunker of his mind. Right. And his sort of face would, if you caught him when no one was looking at him, you would sense that he was sad, um, oh. which I think turned out to be the case. It was.
0: And may not now be. Did he make you right, what other meals tapas you'd had with other comedians <laughs> down in a <the> pucker patch? <laughs> <laughs> I was out there you know I, No. all he, I liked about that that uh, i'm not what well, the thing I'm, i enjoyed about that court case was that she kept referring to her as a puck not a notepad but as a pucker pad as if <laughs> as if she'd been sponsored by because that's an odd thing to he writes everything down in a pucker pad, he writes everything down. Is yeah. all you need to say you only to specify the brand yeah I don't
1: know if puck pad had sponsored her to. But I love that. I love it when people needlessly <laughs> mention brands. It's quite a sort of Alan Partridge <laughs> thing is. to do. is being quite it focused is. on all the, all the brand names. Oh, well. But it was quite funny, flat in different ways as well. Yeah. They're all because um,
0: well, John Richardson is notoriously uh, OCD about. Well, he did lots of routines about being OCD about the things being in the right cutlery drawer and all that sort of thing. Yes. Was it was
1: that true to form or was he? It was true to a certain extent. Um, obvi- and obviously, we would tease him whenever he showed signs of not having OCD because we were like oh well it's all just a load of bullshit you've left a spoon over there
0: <laughs>
1: so in a way we sort of forced him to maintain a level of OCD far above that which he naturally had in order that we didn't think he was a phony um, and Russell you couldn't really pick a worse person to live with if you had OCD than Russell because he would in a very charming way if you complained that he had left a bowl of ricicles on the floor which would be a daily occurrence or he would, he would go I'm Russell Howard which is wouldn't be funny for him to do now but because he wasn't famous then is a really funny thing to do I'm Russell Howard, deal with it and um, and all the, I started drinking in that again. I gave up drinking before, the week before my first ever gig. Right, And it was in that house that I started drinking again because, because of John Richardson's <laughs> cooking. Because he, he made a lamb shank and had some white wine with it. And I had some white wine. I thought, ha, I haven't had a drink for a year and a half. I'm allowed to treat myself with a drink. And then their careers took off. And I think he knew. <laughs> In a way that it was the way to sort of stop me yeah. sort of progressing quite as fast was to make me sort of turn me back into an alcoholic for right. ten years. Right. You've stopped drinking
0: again now. Uh, or, or do you? I, drink d- a bit I now?
1: stopped again in <clears throat> um, this morning. This morning. <laughs> uh, no, I stopped again in 2010, I think, for right. a year. And then I stopped again two months ago okay. after um, meeting you know, I did a with you, you <laughs> yeah. so I did gig with you and Sarah and yeah. Adam Buxton. Yes. And I had such a I was just oh, one of those days that you think I'm so lucky to do what I do because I'd met I'd done a wonderful gig and the gig was great and I'd met Adam Buxton, who's a bit of a hero of mine. And he was really lovely and we had a long chat about music. And then I got really drunk and went home and found myself in front of a mirror, kind of berating myself for being awful. And then you kind of think, oh, "Why on earth are you doing? You weird idiot. <laughs> You've had a lovely day. Yeah. And I thought, well, I need to stop this for a while then. And then that lasted three weeks. <laughs> uh, and now I'm fine again, okay. I think. I hope. I don't know. <laughs> I got very sad the other night. So if my girlfriend hears this, she will, she will debate that. Yes. It's
0: difficult as a comedian because, you know, I've been through... I, I, I like drinking and I've been through times when I drink a lot and things, times when I stop drinking. And I'm drinking again at the moment a bit. But, you know, it's, it's difficult because you, it's always there. Mm. And it's very easy to... You can perform. Do you, do you perform with drinking? Is no, it, is it
1: to- and that's sort of a rule I am really glad I have is that I very rarely... I'll never drink before I go on stage, unless it's like a late-night gig in Edinburgh and I've had a, a couple of pints or something. And sometimes if I'm hosting a show, I'll, I'll have a drink, like, as I've brought on the last act. Yeah. And very occasionally, if I know the setting is appropriate, I will sort of let myself have a few too many drinks. But I, 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 I'm i glad I'm not a comic who can go on drunk. Because... It, and this was, would be... is. This is what uh, Russell Howard said about it, which I agree with, which is that A, it, it sort of blunts your sword. Yeah. And B, sort of people pay money to see you do your job, so it's unfair of you to relax before you've <laughs> provided the service that they are paid for. Yeah. And it's not fair if people have one night a week where they can come and relax and enjoy themselves for you to <laughs> sort of be enjoying yourself in that way
0: no I agree and weirdly I don't ever drink before a gig yeah. but at that gig <laughs> I did with you I did because it was an afternoon gig at a festival yeah. and we were out with my my, my wife and daughter came and yeah. it just felt like, oh this is so lovely and there was beer and I probably drank three beers before I went on and it was really I, I felt <laughs> I was so drunk <laughs> and, it was just, and it was like three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> And it was, but it was terrifying because I realized I wasn't in control at all. And sometimes I, I enjoy being on stage and losing control and not knowing what I'm going to say, which is what I mainly do in this podcast. But if I'd had three beers, and, and we'd be, I mean, well, we could talk about some terrible things. Well, I think anyway. there's
1: this, in a sense, that it's better for you to be. Drunk, if you can make a thing of that than it is for you to be had two pints and just be crap at your job. Yeah. Because it puts your brain and your mouth about a second out of sync.
0: That's it. Well, you can't react but also it's just that feeling of slight, oh, I'm slurring words slightly or you can't quite tell and I can't remember what's coming up next. So it's a slight... Don't do it, kids. Don't drink. Don't try to be like me and be... (laughs) There's a lot of kids out here who look up to me. Especially... (laughs) Especially at home, so but, but me, don't ever drink or you'll end up like... No, and you won't. If you like me, uh, don't, don't drink because I say so. If you don't like me, don't drink or you'll end up like me. So now we're... Um, you, you'd mentioned your girlfriend, who's also a stand-up comedian. Do you get annoyed about people asking you if you're funny all the time and, and uh, where, who gets the routines... When you have a joke happen between the two of you. I'm also married to a comedian as well.
1: Yeah, um, my girlfriend is Sarah Pascoe, comedian. And um, (laughs) I don't really get annoyed about that because it doesn't really happen that often that we get sort of either spoken to as a couple and she's very careful about... So we did one thing for The Independent... Uh, before Edinburgh, about couples who are comedians. And I mean, we did, knew did, you did yes. it as well. And it was really sort of a lesson for me in um, in being careful about what you say. Well, not what I say. It's what the, the lady who wrote it said. It was a very good article. But um, the danger is what your partner says on stage about you gets conflated with you. Yeah. So Sarah has a routine about um, uh, men wanting sex less than women at a certain age because male's sexual peak is 18 and woman's yep. is thirties. so if you then take that person in that routine to be me it, you end up with a sentence in The Independent which is Sarah Pascoe is more than happy to talk about her boyfriend's low sex drive and you're like well uh, um, um, my mum's going to read that and that's my, currently my only quote from The Independent so <laughs> So it's, it's. I think with a couple more, the the sort of fictions and realities of you, when you talk about your partner yeah. become a bit blurred, and well, people you, do assume it's all word for word true.
0: You both did shows the same year, sort of about the relationship. Is that?
1: Yeah. Well, n- the show I was writing the when I met Sarah was about uh, a sort of nostalgia and the past, and about uh, an experience with a girl at a music festival. Which was odd—an odd beginning for our relationship—that I was agonising over a show about, sort of, the one that got away. Right. So, and then the next year, our relationship had progressed to the point at which I was writing a show about how, sort of, about love and how it's sort of useless as a as a subject for comedy, which means sort of—I think there was a line in it when I said. You know, as much as my girlfriend is the answer to every question I've ever asked of the world, uh, comedically, she's cancer. (laughs) Um, And the ideal scenario would be if she died about (laughs) mid-Feb. Giving me a satisfactory ending for the show. So she... We do struggle at times, very occasionally, about things that we hear someone each other say on stage. Or in an in interview once she said something on um, a radio interview which I had to sort of go, hey my mum's yoga group heard you say something quite personal <laughs> well, because it was on Radio Four, <laughs> and so there's a balance. Yeah. But I would never ever, you know, sh- she has to feel she can speak to her experience of the world, which includes our relationship, and I have mine. So we respect that in each yeah. other, and um, and it's very uh, I mean. Inc- Incredibly proud of her, and she has a, a determination and uh, work ethic and an intelligence which constantly uh, amazes me. And she's well, she is very, She's
0: you know she's a phenomenal. And in fact, at that gig, which was just something nice, thing this is a fun festival gig, and I'm going to get drunk. She was sitting at a table with about four notebooks, working out what she was going to say. It made me think, oh, maybe I should put work a bit harder.
1: Oh, as <laughs> <laughs> <a comedian>. it's <laughs> astonishing. And I, we sort of have a. One of our minor domestic disputes is about how heavy her bag is because it gives her a bad back, because <laughs> it's full of like eight notepads and two books she's reading and a laptop. But she yeah. can read. We once were in a hotel, and I went to sleep early/slash passed out, uh, <laughs> depending on whose version of the story. <laughs> and she was reading book as she was going to sleep. It's about half eleven. And uh, I woke up the next day, slash came round, uh, depending on whose version of the story. <laughs> and I said, oh, how was the book? And she went, oh, I finished it. And I was like, you finished it? What time did you get to bed? And she said, oh, about five. I read another book afterwards. <laughs> and she'd read another entire book after having read that book. Crazy. She
0: can re- she re- oh. Is this because of your low sex drive, do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> she, um, she's writing and all a, the book for the pages are all ripped out and yeah. screwed up. She's made a little some weird <laughs> nest for herself like a, a, a hamster amongst the book tearings. <laughs> she's writing a book about the woman, the female body at the minute. So a lot of the books she reads are, uh, are sort of on that topic and we have, she will obviously need to express what she's read and sort of um, just vent. So we have a lot of um, chats over breakfast about female genital mutilation and, yeah, right. and rape and consent <laughs> yes. and child brides, which you know it just sets me up for the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that show um, is available. You've got your, a couple of your shows available online as audio yeah, downloads a, from your website
1: on Bandcamp, Bandcamp. JohnRobbins.bandcamp.com, and they pay what you want. Um, so you, and you can have them for free. You can download them for free, right. or set a price. And my last two shows are up there, and my current Edinburgh show will be up there at some point soon. And so, have
0: you done how many? How many one-man shows have you done? About Seven. Time? Seven. God. It's
1: I not, haven't taken it? a year off yet.
0: No. Do it's good. I had a year off. It was mm. great. Oh, mind you, I did twelve shows here, so it wasn't quite a year off, <laughs> but it was. It was pretty good, and in in that the same show about love. And you can also, if you like shows about love, I did one called What Is Love Anyway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, when did you do that?
0: That was uh, before you,
1: probably. Was it? Yeah, was it definitely before
0: yeah. me. <laughs> I thought of the idea of doing a show about love a um, year in nineteen eighty one. I'll do that while you were kissing a girl. But it's the same thing. It's about, it's about me to my wife, and you know, going from. Uh, the life I had before, is, uh, it's very... You know, well, it's, mine's it's, essentially
1: the same. It's so the
0: same theme, but it's a very different show. I don't, if you I don't know there's much crossover.
1: compare them and let us know who's yeah, his best. Yeah, that'd be
0: a good idea. You've got, you don't pay what you like for mine. Mine has a set price. <laughs> right. right <yeah. laughs> uh But are you brave enough within that show to do a routine about Stuart Lee, which is not exactly flattering towards him?
1: No, I have not escaped the gaze of Sauron's eye. <laughs> Um I uh, <laughs> I obviously uh like all uh, comedians uh had massive respect for Stu and a big fan. Yeah. And not all comedians. No, well, no, some. <laughs> um and so when he's sort of uh first began the the routines about other comics obviously it was the it was the big chat topic yeah. in lots of dressing rooms and stuff and and a few things happened i was quite in a difficult time preparing for my 2013 edinburgh show and uh did what I think a lot of people do. I think comics are this but sort of writing thought pieces late at night on your laptop, which <laughs> you intend, you're not really sure why they're there, and you're just glad that you didn't send them when you were drunk. Yeah. Um, and about what I sort of thought about various things. And then I thought, well, I'll just, you know, I'll if I have a point to make, it'd be nice to set myself the challenge of making it through stand-up and not online or not in, in uh, on Twitter or anything like that? Because I don't think anything ever good has ever happened online. (laughs) (laughs) I don't actually agree with what I just said there (laughs) at all. um, So I thought I'd write a stand-up routine. Because I was writing about love and how happiness affects your persona as a comedian, because it's much more useful if you're angry. And postulated the idea that the more successful comedians become the more miserable they have to pretend to be, (laughs) which fitted nicely into a brief routine about Stuart Lee. And what I did in the set myself, the challenge of doing that was to apply his logic to him, which I think is absolutely valid, and never once uh, gave an opinion of him outside of that routine. And I like the routine, I stand, stand by it, and he didn't react well, <laughs> um, which is absolutely fine. And, but I, I quite like the idea that my only ever sort of thing I've ever said about him is in that routine, and you can listen yep. to that routine. And that's I'm glad that I made my point through that and not through some sort of snarky article or yeah yeah. Something. I mean it's
0: you know it's an, it's an, it's an interesting I think comedically because it's about you know if you come successful and earn lots of money it's you know that most comedians are starting from a point of being an under an underdog mm. and so if you it's it's a difficult thing for anyone to then cope with suddenly becoming yeah. very successful and earning some money
1: yeah Which, uh, and it's sort of a, just about inevitable and this is not uh, not just limited to S- Stuart but it's about the hypocrisy of how it's possible the basic premise is how is it possible to complain that you don't earn much money in front of 500 people Uh, because it's basic maths (laughs) (laughs) and it's sort of infuriating when you are genuinely fighting against an industry where you're fighting for yourself and your career to get a foothold in an industry and then you hear one of the most successful people in that industry saying that it's hard for them. And you think, well, I think, don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think, think things are going quite well.
0: I think and I think it's very difficult for a, a, my generation to appreciate how difficult it is for your generation and then the even newer generation of comics. And I, I think if by going back and doing clubs, you get a, be- a better idea of it. Yeah. But it's it's there's so many people now, and we talked about this a bit. But like when we started doing Edinburgh in the early ni- late 80s, early 90s, there might be 50 comedians going up and doing a show, and now it's seven or eight hundred comedians. Well, pretty doing much a show, so. when
1: you started basically it was just maths that everyone would win the perrier <laughs> <laughs> it was because it was there were like 10 comics <laughs> and if they all went up to edinburgh for 10 years they'd all eventually just yeah. win the perrier by default because you can't win it twice yeah so so it was easier then.
0: It was easier. But, then but neither the a... or I ever got nominated for the Perry, which is probably where a lot of the issues we but both have come from. But that's because you
1: were sort of household <laughs> yeah. name celebrities.
0: Well, not to begin with.
1: <laughs> I think that... The fact is that at whatever stage <laughs> of your career you're at in a creative industry, because there is no... Uh, because there's no structured ladder to climb it's entirely nebulous and the nature of improving as an artist is always to see the next rung because you want to have a way of judging that you're getting better so everyone even the top big dogs the super dogs of comedy must think oh why didn't I get that
0: yeah, I think they do. I mean, that's been my new show, which is about whether about happiness and whether it's possible to make <laughs> comedy have happiness, which is a similar thing that you were talking about as well. It is about, you know, it's about real. I think it's very difficult to realise when you yourself have been successful. Mm. So I think that even even if from an outside eye, you think, oh God, you know, someone else would look at someone and go, they're doing amazingly well. Yeah, but I think the, the tendency is to go, oh look, that's not fair, that's not fair, and I think that's within a lot of comedians, That and they're always striving to to go higher anyway. Yeah. So that's you know, and that's, a da- that's a dangerous spiral upwards or downwards you can get into I think so it's, um, no it's interesting um, I like that you had you did an interview with Bruce Dessau where he does his uh, his rarely asked questions but you the one I liked your, your answer about you asked what, what annoyed you and you said that the, you, your brain kind of keeps on making you think about certain things every time they happen mm. uh, and you had one quite good example which you remember what that was yeah it was
1: um, that I read an interview in I think 1994 with Johnny Vaughan when he just started on The Big Breakfast and he it said, it said, oh, how do you deal with the early mornings? And he said, the most important thing is just get in the shower as quickly as you can and it'll wake you up. And for just for some reason, my brain selected that. And every time I've ever had a shower <laughs> since 1993, which is like between one and two a day, depending on factors. <laughs> I've thought about Johnny Vaughan. Yeah. And, and I don't dislike Johnny Vaughan. But if I had to pick someone to think about 10,000 times. <laughs> Saying one When thing. I'm always naked. <laughs> yeah. And it's Johnny Vaughan. And I sort of, because there's that like, question in the interview was, what irritates you? So I started. It's, and it's that difficult thing with interviews when you're a comedian is that do you, i.e. Do you try and be funny or do you be serious yeah. and both have pros and cons. So I started trying to think of, oh, what, are, what are those things that really people f- find <laughs> annoying these days? And then I realised that all of those things I do and by definition what annoys me most is me because I am the source of all my annoyances and I'm the most annoying person I know and I can't escape myself. And I have no time to myself because I'm always there. <laughs> so I'm the most annoying yeah. person. And all my foibles and traits are what um, are what really get my goat.
0: <laughs> I think it's an, it's an interesting observation. I don't know if that's true of everyone because I have lots of things. But I have lots of little things like that that every time I do them I think of a certain thing. Well, your brain but makes quite, connections yeah, yeah.
1: between certain things. But you sort of
0: wonder, will in the end, will they be the only things that are left with you, you know, it's like every time I make a cup of tea which I don't do that often because I don't drink tea that much right. but I think of that advert that Mark Lamar did where he told you about how I'm putting less water in your kettle I don't put less water in the kettle I just think about that yeah, every, yeah, time, yeah. every time because it's so Mark Lamar seems such an odd person to choose to do that <laughs> message of yeah. ecology and it's basically the last time I saw Mark Lamar on TV <laughs> was him doing this because he's chosen to go on the radio and do other stuff. Yeah. But it's like that was his this, and it was such an odd advert. But every time I get, I think, like, oh yeah, so if you put a bit less water in the kettle, it'll be better for. And that will you'll
1: never, I always, stop, thinking yeah, never that. stop thinking about. I'll never stop thinking about it. And I've now had people come up to me and say, since I read your interview, every shower <laughs> I've had, I've thought about you, yeah. thinking about thinking about Johnny Vaughan in your shower (laughs) not even in my shower and now and now Johnny Vaughan is does a show on the (laughs) same station that me and Ellis do a show on on Radio X so if I ever meet him if I ever met him I would think about me (laughs) stood in my shower thinking about the fact I think about Johnny Vaughan whenever I have a shower so what if I went mad and started (laughs) taking my clothes off in front of Johnny Vaughan
0: (laughs) and what if Johnny Vaughan and me said oh you're doing the breakfast
1: show got a tip for you (laughs) (laughs) and then I'd I'd say I know what this tip and I would really mess with his brain you're going to tell me to have a shower (laughs) People like, I didn't know you're an old pro. <laughs>
0: it's a weird thing. Like the other one, whenever I'm checking the blind spot when I'm t- moving out into the centre lane in a motorway, I like one of my girlfriend's uh, old girlfriends used to always quite exaggeratedly do it. And since then, I start exaggerating doing That's The only time I ever think about her is every time. Like. <laughs> <that> can- <laughs> Well, especially but is that one thing you think that's what I mean Like, about all the other things fall away I, can't, I can remember other things about the relationship but that's the, almost the pervasive thing eventually will that be when it gets to the end of life you go, how was that relationship oh yeah she always looked over her shoulder so yeah. very especially, fastidious about checking the blind spot
1: and driving's a, a difficult one because you are taught to make associations yeah. in your brain in order to learn to drive so that every action you will have so I had a thing with my driving structure it was quite, quite scary Per lady sort of shout at me and I'm not very good in in, in, if shouting is involved in anything Um, and uh, when you turn the indicator to indicate right you turn the wheel and then on a modern car there's a click and what that click means is that when you straighten up the wheel again the indicator will automatically turn off however sometimes the corner when you turn back isn't enough of a a corner for it to then click. So I'd click it off with my hand. And she would say, stop doing that, you're ruining it. You're going to break the indicator mechanism. (laughs) And I think about that (laughs) every time I indicate. (laughs) And I have done in the past 30,000 miles a year driving to gigs. In each drive, I'll probably have indicated, I don't know, hundreds, tie 50, between 50 and 100 times. And I always remember her telling me off. And the same thing happens if I ever put on the handbrake without pressing the little button in. <laughs> and it goes... <laughs> or kind of makes that noise. I'll hear her going, You're ruining my handbrake. Anyway, sorry.
0: I think it's an interesting... Does everyone have that or is it just comedians? Everyone, everyone has it. So that's a good thing. Well, one man said yes and I've gone there. Everyone has it. Really, for that to work, everyone would have had to say yes, wouldn't they? That, but that bloke's gone, yeah, they do. It's, no, it's only mental people who have an phrase. But good luck to us all. I'm gonna, I've got to do some emergency questions. Uh, been, yes, thank you. I've got some new ones. This is for you, Andy McCage. Uh If you had to go... He complained that it wasn't in last week's show. If you had to go for a week's holiday with one of the puppets from Spitting Image, do you remember Spitting Image? Which would you choose? Uh, bear in mind that your holiday would also be with whoever operated the puppet and whoever did the voice of the puppet but they could never acknowledge you (laughs) (laughs) they would always be in character if you tried to interact with them as people, they would not. They would just blank you off. Right. They're not there. I can and see, though. Yeah. They're not always <laughs> behind like
1: a wooden thing. No, they might
0: try and hide a bit, but I think, you know, realistically on a holiday situation. Would they be wearing
1: be that always. quite creepy black suit? Like all black? Yeah, maybe the like puppa- puppeteer would. I think wear. the puppeteer
0: guy would. Be, I mean, the, sat- the guy, the impressionist, might be in a booth. Might get a, sort up a little booth in the. Although he'd have to come around, would he have to be with you all the time? But I don't think he would dress up because the the impression. So the
1: puppeteer is there, yeah, operating it, and the person doing the voice of it is around, but he wouldn't stand right. Then he would be, be on, be on the island as, the, as well.
0: He'd be on the holiday and in the room with you all the time, so he could, yeah. otherwise we'd to have a conversation with the puppet. And where's the holiday? Well, that is also one of the the puppet would choose the holiday destination, <laughs> and that is, and again, that is not. That's, I mean, obviously the the impressionist would have some part in that, but he would have to work out where he thought the puppet
1: would want to go on. Because what I'm seeing in this scenario is so many reasons why it would be absolutely awful for everyone involved. (laughs) And the choice of the puppet is going to have no influence on that whatsoever. Because you're going to have probably, I don't know, Steve Coogan did a lot of the voices. That would be
0: exciting, wouldn't it? It would be exciting for me. But you wouldn't be
1: able to talk to me. He would absolutely hate it, because he'd only be able to talk to me through Roy Hattersley. (laughs) And the puppeteer would hate it because he'd have to. So they're not my friends. <laughs> yeah. Do I have to spend all the time with them? <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> but it's like a nightmare. <laughs> but, but which we, puppet would you get the choice <laughs> of?
0: <by? laughs> might, that um, might assuage the nightmare if it was a puppet. You, I mean, but it might, remember, it would be twenty-four hours a day. I mean, when they're asleep, I don't know how that would work. Where well, well, they might have to have
1: two puppeteers, one who operate the puppet the pup when he was
0: asleep. Well, maybe they could... Sw- no,
1: swapping wouldn't help. No. So you've now I mean, got two voice artists and two puppeteers.
0: I think the same voice artist could be... You just have to <laughs> have to nudge him awake.
1: <laughs> if you start talking to well, the so puppet... So maybe what you'd end up have... with is you'd have to attach little sticks to the puppeteer <laughs> so that when the puppeteer was asleep, yeah, you could fun. operate him as a puppet <laughs> in order to operate the puppet. Yeah. And So you'd get an increasingly complex line of little sticks because everyone's asleep being operated as a puppet, which then operates a person which...
0: That might happen, but that is, you know, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm uh, interested in which which of the many puppets from Splitting Image would you choose to...
1: Well, because... uh, Just, I mean, because it would be the only glimmer of fun or hope on this entire holiday. I just need to pick a figure who I like the idea of. Yeah. Remember,
0: so, it's the puppet, not the person. Yeah, yeah. So like, often the puppet was quite different than the, I, the real... Roy I, Hatsley never really spat in real life. No. So, so, you know, if you think, oh, I'll get Roy Hasley.
1: Was there a puppet of Tony Benn? <sighs> yes,
0: yes, there was. Oh, I go for, yes, that lady says it was.
1: I go for Tony Benn because I... Um, I can do a bad impression of Tony Ben, so yeah. I would I would probably try and push the sound voice of a guy yeah. into madness by talking back to Tony Ben in in an attempt at Tony Ben's voice.
0: I think after the end of a two week holiday, all of you be quite probably quite mad anyway.
1: Yeah, I think we'd be quite angry at whoever had organised this trip. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: this is a good emergency question from Tim Turn. Tim Turner. I'm no under no obligation to repeat this. Tim Turner. Tim Turner.
1: Like a time turner yeah, in work, uh, Harry he? Potter, <laughs> but don't let anybody see you use it.
0: <laughs> that surely is the answer to all of the problems. Uh, Richard Dawkins claims to have, ha- have seen. That's not him. Just edit that out. Richard Dawkins claims. Richard Dawkins claims to have seen dogs doing a sixty-nine. <laughs> What's the worst lie you have ever told to impress people? <laughs>
1: worst lie oh that's not a fun thought road to wander down do you lie
0: a lot? I, I, I would find this quite difficult I don't really lie that much
1: no, to, my not to impress always, people anyway my mum could always tell when I lied because I would yawn really? yeah it was an odd sort of reaction I had <laughs> no no I'm just going to hang out with some mates <laughs> there's no, nothing under the bed <laughs> there you go school schoolwork. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that anymore. No. Um, I once told, a, I, I was, I was sort of, I think, in a bit like you, I'm sort of a magical thinker. Yeah. In that I will often associate everyday things with like potential fun results. So, like any any iPhone game I play, will the score will be how many pounds I get. <laughs> and that, I d- will do that four or five times a day, and yeah. I'm 33. <laughs> but I'll work. So, boggle is the amount of pounds I'll get per day, yeah. forever. And sometimes I'll play it where I get, it's just Monday to Friday. Or sometimes it's seven days a week, but I pay tax. I <laughs> 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 what is so pathetic? is that my scores in Boggle are always between 60 and 100. (laughs) So basically, this has played out in my mind countless thousands of times is me ending up making about minimum wage (laughs) that is either slightly higher and taxed or slightly lower and not taxed. And it's never going to be more than 100. It's never really going to be less than 50. And it's a waste of everyone's time. And lots of things I do are attached to payments I get in... <laughs> per day.
0: <Yeah. laughs>
1: like, if I can hold my breath to the next tube station, that'll mean I get £50 pounds a day. <laughs> 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 and then... <laughs> and, um,
0: So you're lying to impress yourself, is what you're saying. Well, you think, oh, I get £50, pounds, and then you go, where's my £50? It's...
1: Oh, it's this is a bit like what I was talking about me being the most annoying thing in my life. Because if I spent 1% of the time I've spent equating basic daily tasks with an amount of pounds I get a day forever, taxed or untaxed, sometimes Monday to Friday, if I spent 1% of the time spent doing that working on things that will earn me money <laughs> in the world that exists, yeah. I would earn a lot of money. Yeah. But I don't do that. Anyway, sorry, that wasn't at all your question, was it? Oh, the lies. I once said at school that when the ice cream man came around to my house, because he'd park outside, we had a system, and if I let the blinds up, it would mean that I was gonna come and get an ice cream. If I had the blinds down, it would mean I wasn't gonna get an ice cream. And if the blinds were halfway, it meant I wasn't sure if I was gonna get an ice cream. And I thought that if this rumor caught on, that people would think I was cool because me and the ice cream guy had a thing. <laughs> and Which is a pointless lie, because what happened was the ice cream man came around and the blinds were as they were. He was unaware of this fantasy world <laughs> I'd created yeah. in an attempt to win favor with the girls at school. As if they were gonna go, hey, hey, there's John Robbins. Do you hear, hear about what he's got going on at the ice cream man? <laughs> Yeah, he's really cool since I heard about this because he's got a, a system with the blinds in his mum's living room whereby <laughs> there's a three different messages he can send out to the ice cream man <laughs> I th- yeah let's kiss him next
0: <laughs> one of the messages is I don't know whether I want to. like
1: it." which is <laughs> an entirely pointless thing to say so it's like he would drive past and go huh, Robin's on the fence again <laughs> Classic. Whenever it's warm but overcast, <laughs> he cannot make up his mind.
0: Uh, if you were the prime minister, would you use nuclear weapons?
1: For what? Well, as nuclear like, weapons. Well, they'd be the ultimate sort of retro thing in a in a sort of a London gastropub, <laughs> wouldn't they? You could use them as long seats, or you yeah. could serve a poached egg on one. <laughs>
0: yeah, quite, that would be quite funny. On a live nuclear missile. The know, egg could be cooked on the nuclear yeah.
1: missile. Um, <laughs> if I, no, I would never use nuclear weapons. Never? No. no.
0: What if they, the, there were nuclear weapons coming over already?
1: Well, then, but why... So, okay, so if nuclear weapons are coming to hit the country, yeah. we're all going to die. Yeah. So how is that made better by a lot of other people then dying?
0: I agree with that. So I, I've made that similar point. But what if the other people are going to send a nuclear weapon, but they wouldn't do if you said you were going to use the nuclear weapons.
1: So then that's not would you use nuclear weapons, it's would you say you would use, which is this ludicrous, if you back-engineer that, yeah. then you can just keep saying, well, I would say that I would say that I would say that yeah. I would say I would use nuclear weapons. Yeah. I, would just, I wouldn't use no. them. I wouldn't I use them either. I w- I'd well, either I'd use all of them or wouldn't use them. I'd get rid of them, keep yeah. the money, and say we've still got them. Yeah, So I think that as well. Idiots. Yeah. Sometimes, Richard, I think it's people like you and me that should be the politicians. <laughs> if it weren't for all the terrible errors we've made.
0: <laughs> and when come they go, on a can we come? we come round and have a look at the missiles? <laughs> we go. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: Rick, make Rick, someone out of cardboard. Rick, put the blinds halfway up. <laughs> <laughs> If the blinds are halfway up, we're not sure whether we're going to use nuclear weapons. <laughs> hey, me and... Uh, can I ask you a hypothetical question? Yeah, please do. Because me and Ellis had one on our... That came up on our radio yeah. show. And you're welcome to use it if you think it's of interest. Okay. But it, I found I'll it quite the, interesting. I'll get
0: my pen out, and then if, if I write it down, it's yeah. good. If I don't write it down, it's not oh. good. <laughs>
1: Was there a famous sort of mogul who used to do that? <laughs> Is that based on a. No, so, just my own cruelty. Which would, which would you rather have? Yeah. £100,000 yeah. in your bank account tomorrow, and that's yours to do with whatever you want.
0: 100000 extra on top of the, the lot I've got in there already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not going to. I'm not taking that much of a hit. <laughs>
1: you can gain 100 pounds net 100,000 pounds net tomorrow yeah, okay. and that's yours forever too with as you wish or you can have a million pounds in 50p's in a silo like a grain silo and you are not allowed to pay them into a bank account change them up change them into another currency or invest them in anything you have to spend them in the form of 50p's but you can spend them on anything you want, yeah. forever. Yeah. Which would you rather have?
0: And do I have to go to the silo every time I want to? But is the silo conveniently the placed? The silo's
1: convenient. Yeah. I mean, it's not walkable. <laughs> but then you wouldn't want... You would take your car, because yeah. you're, you're going to take like a lot out at a time. Yeah. And you also... You, 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 you are not allowed... You are allowed, actually, to pay people to bag them up into little those twenty pound <laughs> things, yeah. but you're not allowed to pay. You're not allowed to then pay them in anywhere. Okay. So the maximum you can have in any one go is twenty pounds of them, but you could pay with like five of those for something that was hundred pounds.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think people would still. I mean, if you went to buy a Ferrari, mm. um, I think they would still take the money.
1: Well, no, it's not legal tender. But I think they would still take it over a certain amount
0: because they can bank it, can't they? Yeah. I, mean, I think they'd be annoyed, but you could, there are weighing machines now and stuff you can use, so you can just go and... But it would
1: take all day.
0: Yeah, but they would still have sold a Ferrari.
1: Yeah, okay, so yeah.
0: So, you know, that's...
1: Was that a light going? Yeah,
0: light just, a light bulb just went... When they're all gone, we die. Is Is it like Take Me
1: Out? Which I've never seen. I'm guessing that's what happens. Is that what Take Me Out is? An increasingly badly lit discussion on a stage?
0: Uh, I think I would uh, take the million. You take the
1: million in 50p's?
0: Because I reckon, yeah, you know, I'd, be, I'd be happy. I I'd I'd do a lot of work uh, for charity and I count up
1: coins all the time.
0: So, how much that's what I fer- do I do? Well, admittedly, not in that volume, but I'll, at the end of a gig, I'll go and bag up 50 P's. So, about if you wanted hour. to
1: buy a Ferrari, say so it's yeah. 150 grand. Yeah, I don't want to buy a Ferrari, but no. if I wanted to, that's so that's still more than 100 grand. So, so that I mean. you can put them into 20 pound. 10 so pounds of like 50 P's. That's like 60,000 of those little bags. Yeah. And then the awkwardness of them telling you to fuck off <laughs> when you turn up at a really high-end Ferrari dealer. What if
0: I say, I'll give you, you £200,000 worth of 50p for this £100,000? But they pack?
1: would assume, I think, that the 50p's were counterfeit and they would have to check each individual 50p somehow.
0: I'd just say, to, you know, take a bag at random out of the, my silo. Okay. Come to my silo. <laughs> I'll show you the 50p's. Okay. I think it would still be. I'd quite, you know, I just quite like to have that amount of 50 feet. It'd be useful for
1: uh, parking meters and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it would be a talking point. It- you could then sort of move could to I where s- the silo was. You could yeah. move your house around it. And what, if I sold the silo for half a million
0: pounds to someone else?
1: No, you're not allowed to sell... You're not allowed to <laughs> in any way change the w- how the money exists.
0: But what about the silo, right? That's got to be on some land. Well, you and can... Okay, if you it's can, near to where I live in Shepherd's Bush.
1: You can sell the silo. That's still
0: going to be worth like a £100,000 anyway. So I no. could just, I could just <laughs> empty out the but silo. But no, it
1: isn't. Because the silo is in Kent <laughs> and is on a bad r- railway line, that, <laughs> which has got a bad reputation. <laughs> so like a train's going to crash into the silo at any point. Well, when word gets out that there's a million pounds in 50p's, you're also going to have to pay security. I'm not going to write the question down. Oh,
0: um, it's a good question, a good, I think. It is a good question, but Thank you know, you. we've covered it. Have you ever seen a ghost? Um,
1: no. I once, when I was in Scouts, I was the sixer. So I was in <laughs> yeah. charge of the Scout, my Scout six. Yeah. and
0: um, So far, this is a long way away from answering the question. Yeah. I'm just saying that. I'm hoping it's going to become more relevant.
1: Well, uh uh,
0: our, our, I've just been wanting to get this into the interview <laughs> I was a sixer when I was at Cubs all right, and there hasn't been a question I've managed to get that into yet and I
1: demand respect
0: <laughs> um,
1: and Arkela and Bagheera and Shere Khan would always tell us ghost stories <laughs> yeah. so I once told a ghost story on a night hike to my six about a wolf man who lived in a hut in the wood that we were in uh, to try and scare them And I got so scared that they had to call my mum... (laughs) ...to pick me up from the night hike, because I'd scared myself with a a story I had invented. (laughs) But no, I've uh, never seen a ghost. No,
0: okay. Uh, well, it's been lovely talking to you. And thank you for coming along. Thank you for the emergency question. I would definitely use again. Uh, don't bother listening to the others, just in case. Uh, and uh, are you touring your last Edinburgh show? Do you tour, or do you, is the Edinburgh show's I'm sort of going?
1: looking into it. Um, a few things I was intending to do this year have not been possible, so we might be, we hopefully are, I am, may, might be putting a tour in. Um, definitely. Uh, Things are going really well. <laughs> uh, but, but we can hear them online. Oh, you, you can know, hear the them I hope the new show will be online as well soon. Yeah, on bandcamp, johnrombins.bandcamp.com. Yeah. And you can also um, download me and Ellis' podcast from iTunes. From XFM. Radio X. Or listen on XFM. Yeah, or listen on... on, on
0: no yeah. one does that anymore, do they? No one listens. I suppose with breakfast shows, people listen to breakfast shows when they're... I think we do...
1: We, we've done 90 shows now. And we've got... People do listen live. That's, and that's good news.
0: Well, good news that people are listening. Yeah, people. It must be nice. Defin- well, we've <laughs>
1: definitely at least got twelve people that listen. <laughs> but the podcast is is quite. When I was on well.
0: when I was on Fubar Radio, I don't think anyone was listening.
1: Hey, what's going on with Fubar? <laughs> I
0: don't know. I don't, obsessed, I'm, I'm obsessed with I'm it. I'm amazed it's still uh, going. But we have discussed this. Uh, have you? Because yeah. they
1: don't charge anymore. No. So they their income must be zero. I which is fascinating. Yeah,
0: I don't understand. I, don't, I really genuinely thought they wouldn't last the year out yeah. and that was a couple of years ago so who knows anyway, so, Sorry, I don't XFM want doing alright
1: XFM called, we're not allowed to call it XFM we anymore? We anymore we get in oh, trouble see, it, you're, it's you, Radio it's X, it's for men, X now it's
0: only for men yeah men it's just for dudes
1: yeah. no chicks allowed <laughs> actually um, and it's just very dude heavy yeah. it's just Yorkie bars everywhere <laughs> and packets of McCoy's crisps And, like, Gillette razors and porn. (laughs) But only, like, really no tasteful porn. Just the sort of stuff that, like, if your girlfriend found, she'd be like, whoa. (laughs) Uh, No, it's exactly the same as it was. It just happened that a rather cynical marketing memo (laughs) that all companies have got made public. Which probably shouldn't have done. But you know, we think girls are good too. <laughs> They're allowed to listen,
0: but they just choose not to. After that memo got leaked, um, we'd better go. But uh, sorry, it's, it's ended on a bit of a, a downer. We should we should have ended after the sixer story. And you know, in a way, we can do that. Uh,
1: so. Uh, <laughs> but can can you sort of? Without it making too much sense, just keep in the plugs for my bank yeah, no, we'll, we'll keep page and, and radio. We'll X. keep it
0: on. and it's nice. The embarrassing moments are what makes the non-embarrassing moments seem quite good. In, <laughs> hi- <laughs> in hindsight, it. people go, you know, there was a bit. It was a bit embarrassing at the end, but most of it wasn't embarrassing at all. So no, that's a
1: very good motto for life.
0: <laughs> it is, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it's John Robbins. Thank you. <laughs> You have been listening to Richard Herring. Let's square to the podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, John Robbins. Uh, The music is by Pest. The, we have to thank everyone at the S-Squared Theatre, everyone at iTunes, let's not forget about them and all the other uh, platforms that this goes out on legally and illegally. Everyone at RSS, don't even know what that means. Uh, everyone at GoFasterStripe.com, did I say everyone at less squared Theatre? Yeah, probably did. It is produced by Dave Cripp. It is a fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com and also a Sky Potato production. Ah thanks very much for listening. If you've enjoyed this, please go to gofasterstripe.com, buy a DVD. If you want me to get some money, buy a badge. If you want to put some money into making more podcasts, yeah, it has to be one of my DVDs. If you want me to get any money from it, I don't get any money from all the other people's, but you should buy some of their stuff as well. There's some awesome stuff at gofasterstripe.com. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast if you can be asked. Bye.